Welcome to On the Rec Yard Women's Prison Podcast, where we are live on the Rec Yard every Wednesday night. <laughs> hey, hey, Tucci! <laughs> Golly. We were in the studio a few minutes early, and we were talking, and right as I hit the live button is when you want to bring up the fact that we don't have a background. <laughs> well, I it didn't occur to me. I mean, there was just blackness behind us, and I was like, something feels off. It it was off, and this is yeah. better because we are actually on the rec yard. This we is, are. This yeah. is the visual. <laughs> We're not floating so, in the ether out in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is Wednesday night, seven p.m. Central Standard Time. We are on the Rec Yard Women's Prison Podcast. I'm Marcy Marie. I'm Toonchi. It's so good to see you tonight, Toonch. I know. And my hair's looking good this evening. I'm really impressed with myself right I'm, now. So. I'm, I hadn't noticed. What I did notice is you frantically trying to fix it up before we went live. So, well, it does this thing where it parts right here and it'll kind of look like a, a butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I just didn't want that to happen. We got a lot of great fans that listen, but they also, you know, I've had they, several people tell me how handsome I am and I'm, I'm not going to oh let them gosh. down there. Well, let's talk about we first of all, Emily put a notice on here early that she was going to be here. So thanks so much for that. We appreciate you. I see Ray, Rayanne and she made it on time. Uh, so we're so happy to see you. We have some folks watching from Facebook and I have something, I have something new. It's a little, it's a little jazz. It's a little okay. jazzy. So let's, let's, jazz it up. let's see if I can do it. Are, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Brace yourself. Okay. Let's do a weekly recap. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. That that's, was good. I liked it. it. was sudden. It's kind of startled me. <laughs> Did it scare you? It wasn't supposed to scare Does anybody. It, no, it was just, it was startling. It, it's, it's, you got it. It's perfect. I love it. Well, we need to talk about what's, what's been happening uh, because they're asking how your trip to Houston was. So we can, that does not have to do with women's prisons, but, but it has to do with life after prison. (laughs) Go for it. Yeah. So uh, me and Mandy went to Houston and uh, we went to the horror movie festival. took a lot of great pictures with um, Jason, Michael, whole bunch of ghost face, met Danielle Harris. She was from Halloween four and five. Met Heather uh, Madso. She was in Scream 3, 5, a whole bunch of other sweet ladies. OMG. Adrian Barbeau, if there's anyone here our age, uh, you may remember the swamp thing. She was great. She was so sweet. Everybody was so much fun. There was an after party. It was kind of like this glow stick party. And um, yeah, it, it, it happened. It did happen. You know what that was, Marcy? What? that I asked the DJ who was playing heavy metal and um, house mixes to play Taylor Swift. <laughs> Here we I go. Did. Sure did he did. play? Did he, he said, play absolutely. He said towards the end of the evening and he played Shake It Off and the whole place erupted. 
there were a lot of girls that were dressed as dead Barbies. There were a lot of people jamming out to Taylor Swift at a horror movie after party. So I love that you got to hear Taylor that added a little bit of jazz to your horror, horror weekend, right? Um, so while you were uh, having a little downtime and fun time in Houston, let's see, we had a candlelight vigil in front of the governor's mansion, and that was uh, hosted by Be Frank for Justice, which is a nonprofit out of Austin. And it was pretty powerful. They had a couple really good speakers. Um, Tona Southards, uh, and I can't remember her second last name, and I'm sorry, Tona. Uh, she spoke and she lost her son. Uh, he was cooked alive inside of a Texas prison on the Estelle unit. So she spoke and it was just good community. It was a great turnout. Uh, that was my night to be on the prison show, the radio show out of Houston, which there are lots of prisons that pick up that station. So we were able to give some words of encouragement and hope to the folks on the inside. So that was nice. What else this week? What else this week? What else? Gosh, you know, it feels like, again, so many uh, media interviews about the heat about the mailroom changes. I, um, I did, I did get the most recent contract for Securus, which is interesting, Marcy. It ended August 1st, but they're still operating. So there is another, there has to be another contract unless I'm misunderstanding something. So that was an interesting thing, uh, that I, I did this week. And yes, great news about Belinda Ramirez. Uh, many of us know, Belinda, she's done over 30 years. We were able to help um, some ladies that work at UT get her sentencing stuff straightened out. Marcy, they were telling this woman, you've got stacked life sentences. Now, she was incarcerated when she was 18. Kid. She was a kid um, running with, with a gang, you know, and uh, took, the, took the fall for the guys. And... Um, she was like, no, I, I don't I have concurrent sentences. And they were like, no, it's stacked. So you just did 20 years because she got several set offs. Um, now you get to start on another 15 years. And she just she just was devastated. Uh, so we've been working on that. And Helen um, was able to talk to the district attorney and uh, they straightened it out. And guess what? TDCJ was like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. You had to file another order. Um, so we had to jump through all these hoops um, and we were able to find her some parole representation. Um, she, she's just, she's a staple. She's the, um, you know, orange is new, the it, orange is a new black, you know, red, the character red. Mm -hmm. that's, Belinda. <laughs> that's Belinda in, in every sense of the word. Um, so we all love her and we're just really excited about the possibility that she might actually hopefully come home. That's amazing. I was so excited to see that. That was big news and reason for celebration and also scary that that kind of thing can happen in the system. I mean, it's literally your 
paperwork, whatever's on your paperwork. You know, my girlfriend, Brittany, she went in and they had misspelled her name and she's not the only person, uh, Kanita Butler, they misspelled her name as well. And that, that was it. There was no, she saw, she got her ID and was like, Hey, this is wrong. And they're like, sorry, it's in the system. And that was the first time she went to prison when she was a kid. And when she went back, it was still that same name. They mm-hmm. they would not change it in the system. <laughs> so it's really crazy. Like, hey, I'm here. Obviously, obviously this is me. But yeah. Well, it's scary too. It's like, you know, she knew that she was right about her sentencing, which it was really, all of it, all of her paper court stuff was just terribly, it was just terrible. Um, and had she not had outside support, Belinda would have just, Oh, well, you're going to die there and you, you've got another 15 years before you see parole. Um, so, you know, we talk about that a lot about the difference between the huge difference it makes when you have loved ones on the outside that advocate for you. Um, and I think that's what drives us to advocate for everybody um, is that without it, you just get awashed into the system, even when you're right. Even when you're right. That's that's exactly right. Even when you've done every your due diligence, once it's once it's in there, and you're right. If you don't have that outside support, that's crucial. Mm-hmm. For sure. So tonight we are talking about animals in the penitentiary, <laughs> and I don't mean like animals like me and Tunch, right. <laughs> like. <laughs> critters four-legged critters and other kind of critters we're talking about all the different kind of um animal programs that the prisons have animals that we came across and also pets that we kept and we saw other ladies keeping in the dorm so it's kind of a fun topic (laughs) and our friend lauren johnson recommended that we talk about this a while back and so uh, i'm excited to talk about something a little lighter we've had some pretty heavy subjects it's kind of hard for us to stay lighthearted when there's so much going on and we're in the middle of this heat wave in texas so um with all of our emotional and mental and physical work that we're putting in t- to bring change there. Uh, we needed a break tonight and we're so glad that y'all are with us, hanging out with us and make sure. And I'm, I'm supposed to tell, say this at the beginning and I keep forgetting Tunch. We're going to have to, we're going to have to set some kind of reminder, but I need you guys to p- thank you for being here. So please uh, hit that like button, comment. If you're watching us live right now, Please share this when the live is over. And if you guys are listening to us wherever you hear your favorite podcasts at, please leave us a review. That helps our podcast reach a larger audience, and we would sure appreciate that. So, Toonch, mm-hmm. just tell off the top of your head, the first thing that came to your mind when you knew we were talking about pets, prison pets or animals in prison. Well, for sure, it's the cats. (laughs) I mean, you know, I am a cat lady, um, but it it was the cats. Every unit I've ever been on, there are a lot of cats. (laughs) There's, you know, some units like Riverside, it was like 
this big deal, don't touch them. And they were very scared and very, very stray and wild. Um, you know, we put the tuna out for them. And every once in a while, they, I remember Charlie, if she's watching, there was one little kitten that would come on the rec yard. And I would get so excited, Marcy. It was one of the first things I wanted when I got out was a cat. It just, I grew up with cats. Um, so it came to us and we were sitting, you know, in our little spot, our little I almost said something else. Our little spot. Okay. And uh, it came over and she, I had my key on my chain and I was kind of doing this and she took it and put it on the cat's neck and it ran off. <gasps> so, I was like, it's going to dart. I was freaking out. And you know, I am so anal retentive. I'm like, I can't believe you did that. And she's like, you need to calm down. It's funny. But he could have got away with my key and then I'd have been locked out of my box. But well, that's it, Tunchi. Not everybody knows why someone in prison would have a key. And so we needed to let them know that we had like a metal lock box, a metal locker. Um, it was attached to the bottom of our metal bunk. And that's where we would keep our commissary uh, purchased items or any of our personal items, our mail, family photos, everything like that. And you could purchase a lock with a key for like 12 bucks is what it was, I think, the last time I bought one. And that's what you kept. You kept your key with you. So if you got locked out of that sucker... <laughs> You're screwed. Um, maybe the lieutenant will come by and open it with their key or they'll have to get someone to bust it off. But I, I was freaking out. Um, but that unit, the cats were kind of more stray and skittish. At Mountain View, our warden for many years was just a lovely woman and uh, really shaped the whole atmosphere at the unit. But she let maintenance build little cat houses and they were lined up behind H dorm and it was a thing that they took them, they got them, you know, spayed and neutered and got their little shots or whatever and brought them back to the unit. And those cats would come sit in your lap. Commissary was outside and people just pick them up and carry them. Like it, it just was a thing. And, and I know that when Diane sees this, she'll remember that H dorm was the cat place. That's where all the cats went. And um, Michelle one time hid a kitten in her commissary bag. I said, what'd you do with the kitten? She's like, it's right here. And it was like squished in between her <laughs> chips, just like this. That reminds me of those little cat tote bags that people have. And there's all kinds of really cute ones that are like chest packs that, that are <laughs> that are all these characters and then the cat puts their face through. So it looks like they're a cat with maybe a leprechaun body or something, <laughs> <laughs> but this little cat in the commissary box and in the commissary bag. Well, my friend Cher Marie is on Mountain View unit and she has a pet cat there. She buys mackerel and feeds the cat mackerel every day from the store. And um, our good friend Peaches is on right now. She's watching from Facebook and she talks to Skylar, which is um, Angela Roca. And she's an old school. She's done a lot of time and she has two baby kittens right now. So kittens, that's definitely, definitely one. And you know, my son, he is a big 
um, animal guy, especially mm -hmm. with cats. He does a lot of trap and release programs to get them spayed and neutered and uh, rehomes a lot. And he's always asking me now, how many cats were there? Well, now how many? What are the? And I'm like, trust me, those cats are getting fed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're getting fed, you know, and they they served a purpose too, not just for love and affection, um, but you know, like Albert says, yes, cats help reduce the rat population. And in our rat problem, again, Mountain View was a much cleaner, well-maintenanced unit. But our, we we didn't have that big of a rat problem as we did like at Crane. It was it was horrible. We had rats everywhere. Um, but I, I will tell you kind of a funny story about feeding mackerel, you know, because our officers let us do that, right? Well, one person, Callie, she was one of the cat people, right? She's obsessed with them. And um, she lived across from me, Marcy. And so she's collecting everybody's mackerel juice. Oh, okay. And we're not just for the, you know, because she would pour it on noodles. When we didn't have any food, she'd pour it on noodles so they'd eat that. Okay, well, Callie was keeping this in a, a peanut butter jar for days. Nobody knew. <laughs> Why are you doing this? And she accidentally knocked it over. Oh, no. The whole dorm smelled like death and dirty pampers. I, I, it was horrible. Um, so Callie got in trouble for that. Uh, you don't keep the mackerel juice. You pour it out the window for the kitties right then. Yeah, no, that's not that's not good. And anybody who is <laughs> prison, the dorm already kind of stinks anyway. Yeah. So I can only imagine that mackerel pack that mackerel juice everywhere. Honey, it lit it up. It lit, and it was across from me, and I cussed her ass out. I was, what are you thinking? She's like, I just wanted to stretch it. So Tona, we weren't really allowed to have cats <laughs> but there were stray cats everywhere and so that's kind of what we're talking about we were most like the rules where I was at we weren't really allowed to even touch them or feed them but we did because there are a lot more people in prison than there are staff members watching over right. us <laughs> so we still did and there were times when um, just like you were talking about, Toons, your friend had that kitten in the commissary bag and smuggled it back in. We definitely had people smuggle those back in. Or if you lived in cell block, you and especially on the bottom, on the first row, one row, then you could open your window and kind of train the cat to come in because you would start with putting food on your windowsill and then moving it a little in and moving a little in. And before you know it, you have a cat that's going in and out of your <laughs> So yeah, yeah, that, that happened. Um, we had, let's talk about rats because yeah, yeah. There, there's cats keep down the mice population. But you but, still have folks that, that they love their little now. You get them when they're babies, right? And we'd make little houses for them. You know, we'd make little stuff. I remember the last time I was at Riverside. Again, the place where there was a lot of rats. I know Hobby, they had a lot of pet rats. And the girls were like, look, they would keep they would keep them in her in their bra. And so the they're not mice, they're rats. <laughs> and there's a difference. <laughs> they they are mice. Honey, this was a rat. And I'm going to tell you how you know the difference is their snout. 
So yes, there, there are some little mice, little field mice, you know, and they make the little sock for a little bit, put in their, you know, right here in their boobs and they you pack them around. It's contraband. Like you do anything <laughs> else. But these girls were like in Riverside, them were swamp rats. <laughs> Look, I said, <laughs> that's a baby rat. And they were like, it's a little mouse. I said, it's a rat. Do you see its feet? Do you see its snout? And so when it started to get bigger, they're like, well, I think it's a rat. <laughs> it's I, and I remember one that we found in the maintenance shop. Literally, I'm not kidding y'all, was this big. Those are river rats. Huge. I love Mama Kitty. I loved Mama Kitty very much. Katie's commenting, I remember holding Mama Kitty while waiting in the commissary line at Mountain View, her little raspy meow. Uh -huh. So that was a famous cat on your unit or what? Yeah, and this is how she'd meow. <laughs> she just, and she moved real slow like an old lady. And so she would just come in, you know, in the wintertime, we'd be out there cold. We got to sit on a bench. I'm sorry. Please don't cuss me out but we had a bit so we would sit there and mama kitty would just sit in your lap and then she'd get down and get in the next person and just warm everyone well that would not have happened where i was because number one we weren't sitting on any bench outside the commissary line and we weren't covered you guys had coverage if it was raining we were standing out there getting rained mm -hmm. on and every now and then some some nice correctional officer would come by and say y'all get under the awning and we could get up on the building but not always there were times when we would just be standing out there in the rain with our commissary bag jerry says cats mice skunks birds and scorpions and i don't i never saw anybody with a pet scorpion but i did have a couple of skunks that I used to feed out my window <laughs> in cell block because they were twins, Toonchi. Yeah, they cuties. were two little baby twin skunks and they would come out at night and I'd be laying in my bunk. And I, I mean, they, they kept me entertained for months, <laughs> you know, and I would feed them out my, out of my window. So, yeah. Oh, you know, we had some skunks that would get in the little mice, the, not the mice, the uh, cat's house, and they would sleep together. And I'm like, y'all, this makes me so nervous. We need to make sure the cats have rabies shots. <laughs> um, yeah, those cats and skunks, they're, they get along. They really do. We open our, we go outside sometimes. I keep cat food in the garage and I keep the garage cracked just because my two cats, sometimes they'll run off and be gone for a whole day. And I worry that they don't have food or water, but there have been times when I go out there. In fact, one night in particular, I, I went out to go to the garage and look through the window and there was a cat, a skunk and a raccoon all eating out of the cat bowl at once. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a little too much. So um, side note that's away from away from prison pet and prison animal talk is um, our friend Andrea. She says she just got off with the phone with some of the girls on the Dr. Lane Murray unit, and they saw Tunchi on the Waco News tonight talking about the dangerous temperatures inside of the Texas prison. So good job. Yes. Yes, and good. They saw that we're having the 
and we'll talk towards the end a little bit more about it. Um, but yes, we're having a vigil, a prayer vigil in Gatesville, Texas, Saturday evening. So um, I'm Marcy will be talking to some more Central Texas m media tomorrow to make sure the men and women on the inside know that we will be there in their community um, holding space for everything that they're going through. So I'm so I'm so happy the girls saw it. That was the whole point. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm so happy. And that reporter said he was going to try to get it on tonight. And I'm so yeah, glad he, he did. did. So that was awesome. Um, I, so what other. Oh, well, we have to talk about. We ha I want to talk about the Patriot Pause program just briefly because we did get to see some dogs while we were incarcerated. There were dogs living on the Dr. Lane Murray unit. And um, they it's part of a program where they're raising dogs for disabled veterans. They're training them. And I don't know how effective that program is. I've never been a part of that program, so I, I hate to speak on it, except I just I just know <laughs> I know some ladies that spent a lot of years in that program that said it's it's not. It, there's a lot of like everything else, I guess, in our system. There's a lot of things that need fixed in it. But right. the plus side is we did have dogs. And yes. dogs. <laughs> I was in co in college with one of the girls from the Patriot Paws program and she brought her dog to school. And so that's how I got to love on that dog. Cause we walking down main street and all that going to and from chow. It's not like you could stop. We weren't allowed to stop. We weren't allowed to talk and pet the dog. That wasn't an option, but in the college class, our college professor, he went by a different set of rules. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I remember that too. I had, um, my, you know, when I got there for the second stint, <laughs> somebody had, we, we were doing college at Lane Murray and, um, somebody came in with one of the dogs and I was like, Oh my God, I haven't seen a dog in like two or three years at that point. But yeah, we weren't supposed to pet them and they live with their trainer in the cell. Like there's a mate, they made special dorms just for them to stay with the dogs. And you know, I should have thought about it. We could have had Mandy or somebody on um, who had been in the dog program to talk about it a little bit more. Because you're right. Like, again, so many pluses and so many cons. <laughs> <laughs> right. We used to, um, the dog dorm in on the Dr. Lane Murray unit was a, like a gym. They had quite a bit of room. It was like a small gym where they had all kinds of things for the dogs. And then they had like a, it was their setup was really clean yeah. compared to uh, our living quarters. So that was it was good for those girls for sure. So um, and then I was also wanted to talk about, well, we have dogs that are trained, the canines, the men. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> hey, now, and you let me say this. What I always found weird is first of all, you can't rely on those dogs. They would sniff out stuff and it would just be completely wrong. People get sent to seg their dorm, you know, the dorm and their beds tore. There's nothing there. Um, and sometimes I've watched those guys when they use those little treats or the little actual little bit of whatever they train them with, they would leave them. But what, I, what it always bothered me, Marcy, is that those dogs never looked cared for. They always had like mange looking scraps. They just, they did not look well cared for. 
I agree. They looked rough and you're, you're right. And there was towards the end of my sentence, well, the last three or four years, there was an officer that went from our unit into training the dogs, you know, and she was a dog person and that's why she went over there. Uh, and I, I felt like, <laughs> and it might've just been my perception, but I felt like they were healthier when she was a part of that program because all of a sudden they seemed a lot healthier looking and healthier acting, but we weren't supposed to touch those dogs really. Um, they did come in. They, they weren't, you know, it's just correction staff that were training them. And mm -hmm. so they, they had been trained to ha learn how to train. And it, it was a semi professionally trained <laughs> drug sniffing dog. Right. <laughs> and it was, he was, they were not always effective. No. And you lived in fear that this dog is going to come in here and sniff and find, like find something. It, they're going to take you. And then maybe a day later, they'll sort it out. But um, no, and, and they just didn't look well cared for. Now, the dogs that, that in the dog program that the ladies took care of were always clean and well-groomed, and um, which was hard for them, Marcy, because they train to a certain point, and then the dog is passed off to someone else. Like, they're not supposed to treat them like a pet. They're training them. And, uh, you know, I could imagine that being not always easy to be separated. Well, when you're anytime, right, even out here and you have a dog living with you for two years, because that's how long the training program is, and you're sleeping with the dog and your dog is going to, with you everywhere to meals, to school, to everywhere. And then you just have to pass it off. Even out here in the free world, that would be hard. But if you're incarcerated, you have that loneliness about you or that longing for um, connection and even in a pet, which is why there are so many pets, right? Um, yeah, that's, that could be, that's something that could be hard for sure. So we've got cats and dogs and mice. Let's talk about birds. Okay. <laughs> did you, did y'all ever have any birds? I knew somebody and I'll put her out there. Lisa Stevens. <laughs> she's home and she, if she's not watching now, she usually watches at some point, but she had a bird that was injured in some way. Okay. Um, and you know what? It might have been a bat. Oh, God. <laughs> it might have been oh, a Lord. bat, girl. It might have been. So do you remember those um, toolboxes? Uh -huh. the, they were called a gender box. And uh -huh. what, what it was is TDCJ realized that policy says everything we own has to be in our box. Every personal items have to be in our box and women have more personal items because at that time we had, of course, feminine hygiene products. And then we had a curling iron available to us. We had a hair dryer available to us. So what they did and makeup that they didn't sell to the men. So they sold us these gender boxes, which it was just a big metal <laughs> toolbox. They called it a gender box. What it was, was a toolbox. Uh, so Lisa kept this critter in the <laughs> toolbox, in the gender box. 
God. <laughs> I'm, I, it was a bat. We're just going to say it was a bat. Lisa, you better uh, comment if it wasn't, but I'm pretty sure it was a bat. And if it wasn't that time that it was a bat, it was another time. So, yeah, but he was injured in some way. And so that was a big deal. And at some point, I don't know if Lisa's roommate ran her in, God. but the laws went in. The laws went in and they got the baby bat. Yes. <laughs> yep. That happened. Uh, and birds were, y'all, I've never seen more pigeons in my entire life, including movies like whatever that bird movie, Stephen <laughs> King bird movie. That's how I felt we were living. <laughs> right? it was, they were nasty. They were nasty. Uh, at Plain State, the birds would be in the chow hall in the because it's a it's almost outside. Um, and they would be all up the top there. Now, I did have um, a friend that had a bird, had a baby bird. We called the bird Contra for contraband. Nursed it. She kept it like the mice, right? She loved that bird. Oh, Marcy. <laughs> she takes the bird with her to work. She worked um, on the yard with me, but her friend was in the boiler room, so she'd give it to her to watch. And we could walk really freely up to the boiler room at Riverside. And um, remember, the cats are there, but they're hiding and slinking and not letting people pet. They just come and nibble some tuna if you throw out. Well, we put the bird on the ground to give it some water and to pet it. And we were just, oh, that cat came oh. out of nowhere, nowhere. <laughs> And my friend, Rosa Sita, her name was Rosa Sita. She goes, no. <laughs> Cat was gone with Contra. Now, the only other time anybody had a bird was in four dorm before it became the dog program. And they had that bird in there. And I said, look, y'all, we've, we've had bad experiences with baby birds. And I have another bird story, but that's for another topic. Um, but I said, y'all get that out of the dorm. And they're like, no, we love it. And so it's like this on her finger. Okay, well, you remember those fans in the wall that they would turn on for the outside air? Mm -hmm. And it, so it started flying around in the day room. And I said, get the bird. And it got near that thing and it sucked it. And it said, Oof. and all you saw was feathers. I said, I can't do this with y'all. Oh Birds are gosh. not my thing. But y'all need to get a, a mouse or or. I used to keep bugs sometimes as pets, especially in jail. But the birds just it didn't go well, Marcy. It didn't. It didn't go well. The birds, you know, people in cell block, they would. Well, we fed the pigeons. So let me just start with that. You would be walking back from Chow, and in line, like we would have to be in line, one in front of the other. And the person in front of you might have smuggled back some bread that they broke up in their pocket. And we'd be walking along and they'd throw the bread out for the pigeons. And the pigeons would just whoosh, come down <laughs> 10, 12, 15, 18, 50 pigeons at once. And I just, it used to make me so angry like <laughs> you're throwing it but you're walking on right. you're, i'm behind you <laughs> and it was it's horrible like you have to pay attention to these things who's around you because if you're around a pigeon feeder <laughs> it's not a good thing but in cell block 
you would feed them out your window. Mm -hmm. So especially if you are in solitary confinement, which restrictive housing, which whatever, whatever pretty name they want to put on it, it's solitary confinement, especially if you're there because your dinner trays, your food trays come to your door. So now you have food there that is not that edible <laughs> mm -hmm. and you would throw your extra food out the window for these pigeons. But those folks, they would just like with the cat, they would put a little food on their windowsill and they'd just sit real still and watch, like just wait for a pigeon to come. And then they, they, but they would want them in their cell sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. It was so comforting when you had, there's something so wonderful about pets, you know, and I remember Marcy, I, I kept bugs. bugs. <laughs> yeah. I kept bugs, ants and uh, spiders. Now, when I say I kept them, they had a hole or a little nest or something in the brick wall or, or in my cell that I would feed them. There was this little spider to this day, kills me that he had a little, I was laying on my bunk and I was just staring at the cubicle wall and it's those brick, the red brick, right? And in the crack, there was this tiny little spider that would come out sometimes. And I would just lay there for hours and watch him. I named him. I talked to him and then he died. And I, I felt really, I was so devastated because that was my company in that cubicle when I would feel sad, I would just go sit and stare at the spider. It was Charlotte. <laughs> I guess so. Ants. I mean, because you watch them, you, it's like, you know, your inner life when you are, and it's, I, I had kind of this discussion today of like so many things that you learn about yourself that I learned how to not be bored. I learned how to not to ignore restlessness or, I learned how to connect to nature and animals in a way that I don't think that I would have ever done had I not been, you know, in that situation. Dare I say, had you not ever been there, you would not have laid down for hours and watched a spider. So, yeah, yes. I think you're right. We did have to learn how to entertain ourselves and how to, uh, stay calm in a place that's not so calm around us. And those those little critters are some of the ways. So Angelica Reyna, she is um, a former correctional officer on the Lane Murray unit. She's asking about um, how, do we hear from any of the ladies in the dog program now? I don't think so. No, not currently. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I, 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 like I said, I wish that we'd had people that were recently released that were in the dog program on the, on the show, because it's a, I think that it's a great program. I think the petty things that go with prison <laughs> and women's prison can kind of mess that up sometimes. But I think that the program's intention, um, you know, and having the animals on the unit, I wish that they would allow us to, you know, it's interesting to, to again, mention the heat is something that representative Sherman said, you know, when we're talking about the heat, no, we've got all this inaction and nobody's wanting to do anything. I tell you what, if we gave every single incarcerated person, a dog or a cat, suddenly everybody would be furious about how hot it is in there. And, and that's so strange. It's understandable, but 
what's the difference, right? Um, so I'd love, I'd love to see if we had more pets. I mean, there, there's so much therapy in that. I mean, people go to animal therapy out here. I mean, my cat has saved my, I'm not kidding you. This little cat in there has kept me from having mental health breakdowns. She's kept me from doing things because I'm not going to lie to you, Marcy. I think to myself, well, remember the last time I got locked up and all of my cats had to be adopted out and they were so frightened and scared without me. Like, I can't, who's going to take care of her? Like, I don't have children, you know? And I just feel like it's so healing. And it's that idea that we can't be trusted, that somebody's going to hurt the animals. And I never saw anybody hurt those animals. No, quite the opposite. If quite the opposite, if it was the staff, <laughs> if something, and and don't get me wrong, because lots of staff members adopted, ended up adopting some of the cats, and definitely, but 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 lots were not okay with that. I want to say real quick, we're getting a few questions in the chat, and if um, we're going to answer those questions at the end, so don't think we're ignoring you. I see you. I appreciate the questions. You guys keep the questions coming, but if they're not related to this topic, I'm going to hit the answers. We'll we'll handle it at the end, right? So, um, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely not. Now, let's have you seen the programs where some of the uh, some of the jails, and I should have looked again before they actually have a pet cat program and it's of course mm -hmm. it's in a men's mm -hmm. men's facilities and it's based on disciplinary like you're given a, a cat a pet for you to care for and you do everything with this pet you handle everything care for this pet and if you act out in some way that that's your punishment is your pet is taken from oh you. my god marcy i would have never done and I know you're going to say you never did anything. No, I just didn't get caught. But like the risk that I took, like just thinking about it, it's making my ear red, like the risk that I did take in doing things that I wasn't supposed to, I would have never, if you'd have given me Taylor and, and if you said you can keep her and take her home with you, I would have never done anything. I can't imagine like what a great motivation. I mean, it is kind of sad and kind of almost, um, I don't know, it kind of in some ways does feel a little grimy, but at the same time, it's like, well, it would be healing and bonding and teaching people the importance of, you know, connections, emotional bonds and consequences, like really putting those consequences out there of you're going to literally take her from me and she's all I have in this cell. No way. Yeah, that's uh, and that's exactly so some of those men in the the things that I read, but they just all are just talking about, yeah, this has taught me responsibility. It's men that have been incarcerated since they were 12 and 13 years old mm -hmm. and are, are now young men and that are that are going to go home, you know, without ever having this kind of experience. And yeah, it's therapy and that's pets are therapeutic for sure. And that's what Shelly's talking about in the chat. She said, my cats rescued me. I wouldn't be here without them. And my hair, my therapist, she helped me too. She says, yeah. So yeah, cats do, pets do. Loving something and being responsible for something outside of yourself that loves you unconditionally, 
that's pretty intense and that's what pets offer this is not about cats <laughs> this is not about cats but i just remembered i had a play brother shine shout out uh to shine she's in dallas right now doing well but she she had a pet that she brought in from ho squad brought in from work smuggled it in and it was a little frog oh my god <laughs> and I think our friend Frankie, shout out Frankie, she's home and doing well also. She named the frog Bocephus. <laughs> so we did have a pet frog in the dorm for a while. We were in cell block and I, I think for a good while and Shine finally freed Bocephus and let Bocephus out into the wild. But we were on a mission, like as a dorm, collecting flies. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we had, we had uh, the, the, yeah, the little tiny baby frogs in uh, when we were in the youth system. And I don't know if Tamiko's watching, but me and her, there was, there was a plant on each one of the tables that we had our lunch at in the day room. And for some reason, I guess it was the weather outside, but the, we were getting flies real bad. And so the, the flies would sit on the plants, you know, and, and the little water in the pot. So she just started bringing frogs in. And I said, well, put them in there. And so we would just sit there <laughs> and watch the frogs eat all the flies. On the <laughs> we, we used to bring in all kinds of things from field squad, which is crazy because the strip search coming in from field squad is so intense, right. but, but still ineffective. <laughs> it's still very ineffective. Yeah. I'm just saying if you throw uh, 30 women in a room together, even if you have three or four officers, guess what? We're going to still have what we want to have on us, you know, and, and we weren't putting frogs uh, in our prison purse. And if you don't know what that is, you'll have to look it up for later. That's a conversation <laughs> for another day. But I'm just saying we we brought this in. But the most, the craziest thing I have seen brought in from Field Squad, we were working up at the, there was like a dump. Uh, it was a bunch of old prison equipment. Yeah. It was, it was a dump. You, do you, you know, because mm -hmm. you were there in Gatesville. And so we were working up there. We we're having to move stuff around, load trailers, load scrap trailers or whatever the heck they were doing with that stuff. I don't even know, but we came across a bunch of baby snakes. <sighs> okay. Yes. Girl. I enclose your ears. She's so fond <laughs> of snakes. <laughs> snakes. They this lady brought in a handful of baby snakes into <laughs> back from host squad back onto the unit. And it, that was a huge, that was like a lock down the dorm type situation. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in that dorm, but I was on host squad with her. And I remember us, everybody was like, why are you doing that? What are you doing? Uh, yeah. And, so the consequences for that, the entire host squad got punished for that deal no. because it just made them look so bad. Because right, like, how did they sneak in 30 baby snakes? Right. Chimney. Right. right. Well, you know, uh, uh, I can't ever say that anyone kept them as pets, but they were certainly there. I, you know, I posted that TikTok of uh, that guy that had a snake on his fan and it wrapped its tail and it 
it dropped and flung off. What's well, exactly what happened at Riverside? That there was a snake that got up through the pipes to the top of the pipe chase, came down, and there's three showers, Marcy, and they've all got big fans over them. And that snake had wrapped around the fan and got his little tail. And I could hear it. it I'll never forget. It was Juneteenth. It was the morning of Juneteenth. Everybody's asleep because it's holiday. My friend Jazz, that was sleeping two beds down, got up to get in the shower. And I kept hearing this ting, 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 because it was real quiet. And I was like, what is that? And baby, she come bolting out of there screaming bloody murder in it, like barely holding her towel in front of her. And it was ah, like, or somebody find that snake once it had, I guess, hit his tail so much that he finally decided I'm, I need to let this go. And he just dropped on top of her in the shower. Huge. Gigantic. <coughs> Um, it wasn't a poisonous snake, but it was, it was big. And so they took him outside, but another girl had one in her shoe one night and that was at Mountain View. So it's like snakes got in all the time. You never knew. They'd just be sitting there and you'd be like, oh my God. I have had snakes in my house come in. You know, I live out in the sticks, but I, during my entire prison sentence, the only snakes I came across were outside and we would be like doing field work and we would be watching. Like I was lead row oftentimes. And so I was like the first one that was going to get bit if we, if I let him on. So I remember actively watching for them because they were everywhere outside of the units. It makes sense that they got into the units. I can't believe I never encountered one that wasn't intentionally brought in. <laughs> well, it's like, I, I mean, I think that the setup of Lane Murray, at least, you know, w with all of its faults, it, it was newer theoretically than Riverside. I mean, five dorm at Riverside is literally called the barn. I mean, it's just open too big, open. It's horrible. It is a barn hilltop. You know how old that place is. Like these are really old units that are all these nooks and crannies and, just full of, of snakes and rats and possums. We had a possum that was living under um, the stairs at the education building. Uh, but them skunks running around during the day just was awfully concerning. Like, And they're like, oh, let's try to go feed it. I'm like, y'all were born in the city. I don't know, but a country girl will tell you if, a, if there's a skunk wandering around during the day, it's usually something wrong. <laughs> he's got rabies or something leave it alone yeah i, I yeah it, they're nocturnal stay away from them <laughs> right. during the day for certain nicole says that she didn't see that many cats as she did at the hobby unit they said the hobby unit was and i had never i've never been on hobby unit my girlfriend ended her time there so i'll have to ask her about that for sure uh yeah i i also want to talk tunch about the horses. Oh, the horses. Yeah. So as as horrific as working out in the field on the field squad or the host squad, as horrible as that is, because it is just plantation work for free, mm -hmm. you know, um, you do have a armed guard, an armed prison guard, armed correctional officer riding around on horseback as your boss out there. So uh, for me, who loves horses, 
I absolutely loved being around the horses. And on those rare times where one of the bosses would have to get off of their horse to go do whatever they were doing, on those rare occasions that they asked me to hold the lead rope for the horse, that was like huge because then I could pet the horse Aww. and love on it. And those little moments of that, that, that was a big deal. Yeah. 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 The girls that, the, you know, the trustees that rode the horses and took care of them, like they lived for that. A lot of them never got in trouble because they didn't want to be taken away from the horses. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, and I forgot that it was females in Gatesville that took care of the horses mm -hmm. uh, that worked in that area. So yeah, I wish I could remember the name of Lieutenant Warren's horse and I can't believe I don't, but yeah, he used to run off on him sometimes. We'd be <laughs> we'd be out in the field and he their horse would he'd, he'd run off. He'd go back to the unit. <laughs> yeah. I and I remember being on the on the field and a couple of times watching horses just decide, nah, I'm sick of you and just buck them clean. I mean, flying in the sky, buck them off. Yes, these were not again. They were semi-professionally trained. Right. They were not that tame. And I always thought, you know, these guys are riding around on horseback armed on these horses that are already skittish. And if they were to fire their firearm off the back of one of those horses, it had been over for all of them. And I, I mean, I just thought, hmm. If one person ran, everybody could just run because yeah. they're going to be out of there. Those, those laws are all going to be bucked off their horse. I just, I wasn't convinced that those horses could have taken a, taken a shot. Well, it, it was kind of, it was scary. I remember when I was at Lane Murray and I was on the back of the trailer, right? This was when we could look around. We hit, we, you know, I think now everybody tucks their head or turns around or something, but we were just, you know, <laughs> and um, I forget his name. He was, he was a really mean guy, but he was screaming and yelling and the horse, he's yelling at us. And we're like, his gun in his holster, I kid you not, Marcy was slipping out. And the horse was, and we were like, and so he's screaming at us, shut up, shut up. And he's making the horse angry. And we're like, okay, fine. Then drop your gun. What do we care? I just don't want to get shot. And he dropped it. Like the horse bucked him off. And I was so close. I could hear that metal because it was that sidewalk coming up from Hilltop to Lane Murray on the street. And for some reason, his horse, he was on the side and I can hear that gun, that revolver hitting the ground. And he got bucked off and he was like, <laughs> and he's running and jumping on his gun. And we're all just sitting there. Just look, there it goes. We didn't care. None of us were fixing the. Nobody was doing that much time that they wanted to. <laughs> I used to tell myself all the time, like, I'm not going to try to escape because I'm, I'm not doing enough time to be thinking about, even at a 20 year sentence, like that wasn't enough, but I can, I have a, a host squad boss story that involves his firearm when, so you guys, they cannot bring their firearms onto the unit. It's a security risk for someone to be armed that where they, in a place where they could be overtaken, right? If you're on horseback, you're probably not going to be assaulted by a group of incarcerated people, but in the unit, 
that they not. So there's outside lock boxes or this is the kind of things that they do. They don't take it on the unit. Well, we get back and they're all putting their weapons up before we go in the back gate. And one of the officers is like, I, I don't know. I don't know where mine is. He had oh my God. out in the field while we were working. O-M-G. He lost it, girl. And they, I mean, everybody knew because it was, we were all lined right up. Right there. So like, like 130 of us. They could not have covered it up because we were all right there. And, did y'all go they, on lockdown? Yeah. Yeah, we went on lockdown. <laughs> yeah, we went on lockdown. They locked the unit down. The bosses wrote out, it ended up, the lieutenant ended up finding it. But yeah, um, yeah, they, that's God. so much, so much. And, and it was a guy I liked. It was an officer that was just there trying to do his job. And honestly, in any other circumstance, he'd have been like, damn, and rode back and looked around. But in that setting, he didn't lose his job. He only lost his position. Mm -hmm. as a field boss he yeah. was still a boss and then he ended up being a cell block officer poor guy oh, uh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <my> <laughs> oh man well um your hamster life 254 he said he saw a field law get hit in the nuts i probably can say that with the metal wand and get caught with cans of tobacco. Baby, our field bosses were chewing tobacco. Our field lieutenant, all day, every day. And they were they were in full costume for their role. Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't just outside the prison gates. They were chewing it inside. And I'm telling on y'all. Y'all shouldn't be bringing that. It's You are not supposed to be bringing in tobacco to a prison. It's right there on the wall. <laughs> There's a sign right there on the wall. Tunch, we had a few questions. I'm going to try to scroll back up through this chat. Um, James Light, James Leap, maybe the prison system did the first female high school at the Woodman unit last year. I think it's awesome. Have you heard any info or stories from that program? Well, I mean, it's cool that you uh, brought that up because I believe I was at the second one or maybe it was the first one. I did um, the little keynote speaking uh, for the ladies there. It is a unique program, right? Like this is something that we worked on with legislation last session uh, to make sure that, you know, the, the kids in the adult system have access to an actual high school diploma and not just a GED and especially kids that um, have special education services. There are so many um, federally mandated things that they get with their education that they weren't getting. So yeah, it is at Woodman and I believe used to be at San Saba, but that's turned into a men's facility. I think there's, um, I think they do it at, I'm not sure if they're doing it at Plain. I know that if you qualify for that program, they'll move you to Woodman even people from ID units, which is weird, right? Because Woodman is kind of a lower security, but yeah, it's a wonderful program for the, the, the kids. They were teenagers. Me and Alexa talked to them um, twice and uh, they, they really are just kids, man. That's awesome. I, I love that you know about that program, James, and I love that some of the girls are getting to participate in that. And I hope that it grows it because it, it, those kind of programs that are really awesome 
though they need to grow and more people need to be able to have access to them. So that's incredible. Uh, Matthew is asking, are you writing a book about your experience? When will it be out? Um, so uh, Toonch is a writer. <laughs> she needs to write a book. <laughs> She's an actual writer. Um, I do. I have two book deals and I have one that coincides with a production deal and that will, the writers are on strike for the production deal, but the, that book will be released at that time. Um, and I'm not sure about the second one yet. So it's, it, the, yes. But not yet, right? So, and then we have this other Heather Rainwater. Toonch, this question is for you. She says, Toonchi, I'm going to put it up here, but I don't know if it'll say the whole thing. So I might take it off to read it. It says, Toonchi, do you have any advice for a first time terrified young woman, mentally about 13 years old, going into the TDCJ safe P for a meth and heroin addiction? How is it best to survive and thrive in that system? Uh, I'm going to take it off the screen so I can read. She really wants to be free of that life, but prison is her biggest fear. And it's so hard for her to overcome that fear mentally. Well, you know, I think having um, being young in your mind and especially physically being a young person in the system, um, I, I think, I think the, biggest way that I sur survived and thrived was focusing on the positive things, right? And there's so few, there's so few things there that are positive. Safe P, we've both been through Safe P, but for us, it was called ITPC. Um, it, it's uh, dependent on where it's at. You just take what you can, right? There's some of it, a lot of it's going to be just straight up BS and like, why am I sitting here and but there is some of it you can use um, and just, you know, just being there for her. I mean, I think that also was a big part of how both of us survived was outside support. And what does that look like? That looks like listening. That looks like being emotionally available. That looks like, um, you know, for my family, it was, it was um, firm, clear boundaries and love. You know, when I got home the second time, my brother was like, okay, you were a kid the first time you're an adult now. And, um, you know, here's our boundaries. And I had to honor that, you know, so finding the women that are working on the positive things as well. I think Marcy would agree to that too. Like it's the crowd that you run with, whether it's in prison or in out here in school or in the community, um, you're going to start to absorb what you put yourself around. So and I think that you said it best when you said, get what you can from it, because it's going to be the program. It's maybe with good intentions, but it's going to come with a lot of things that don't pertain to her and that are going to spend hours on things that have nothing to do with anything that she even can relate to, honestly, because because it's made for such a broad group of people, you know. And so with that, um, I would just say, yeah, take take the information, take the nuggets that you can get and apply them and listen to the rest, because you never know who in life you're going to encounter that you might hear something 
So Heather, best of luck to her. We are sending lots of love and strength to you and her because we know as mom that that's hugely uh, hard, that that's hugely difficult. So much love to you and to her. Tunchi, we are past our hour, honey. And we, do we know what we're talking about next week? Do what we are we wanna... talking about next week? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, count I hasn't mean... cleared yet. So we've got just a minute or two before count clears before they're going to get us off the rec yard. So. Yeah. Well, let's, let's hear it. What is it? I don't, I am at a loss and I came up with this topic, Toonch. Um, oh, you did. Well, let's yeah. see. I, um, well, I, you know, she brings up a really, I, I, a really good point about fear. And I think maybe if we just had an episode devoted to maybe myths of women in prison and how that's depicted in media and how people, you know, carry that stereotype, um, maybe that would be a good episode. I like the Mythbusters idea. And I also just like a how, how to how to, if you're facing yeah. charges, how to navigate your way, the, the best way, because I didn't do my time the easy way. So I know exactly what not to do. Right. Right. Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, maybe we could just have this where, you know, if an episode that people can refer to and say, man, you know, I've got a loved one that's fixing experience incarceration or, um, you know, I'm going to trial and I'm scared or, or whatever, maybe just something that you and I could have used when we were younger to be like, okay, what can I expect? What is a myth and not true? Um, and how do I handle certain situations? I think that would be pretty cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. Heather, Heather says, yes. Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's do that one. Uh, uh, and we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that next week, guys. We, are so happy that you guys tuned in. We are so grateful for your support and especially the fam familiar faces that we see time after time. And Tunchi, I got a little something for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are you? Are oh you boy. Wait this? a minute. Wait, let's wait. Cause is it the closing music? Yeah. Okay. Well, before it's, we, it's we'll... a little closing something. Yeah. Okay, well, I just wanted to make sure we we promoted the vigil again one more yes. time for anybody that wants to come and join Linus and Statewide Leadership Council. We will be in Gatesville, Texas this Saturday at 8 p.m. at Rabbi Park. That's downtown Gatesville. Um, we'll be having a prayer vigil and some just community time to uh, honor the folks who are suffering and dying in our prison system over the heat. So please... Join us if you can. We'd, we'd love it. Tunchi and I will both be there and we would love to see all of your all of your faces, anybody that can make it. And if you can't make it, please share the information uh, because we would definitely we would definitely love to uh, get as many people involved as we can. Yes. OK, now I'm ready. Thank you all for hanging out with us on the Rec Yard Women's Prison Podcast with Marcy Marie and Tunti. Make sure and subscribe to our channel so you'll never miss a Rec Night.